All right, let's get started for this morning. We are in a sermon series about the idea of rest. What does it look like to rest and find peace and find stability in life? The notes are at EmmausOKC.org rest. And so if, that, if you like to see some notes in front of you or you ever want to just go back, you miss a week, you're, you're curious about rest and Sabbath and those kind of ideas, all of my notes are at that website, and you can find those resources, and we've got other resources, resources for you. Let's start this way. Let's go back in the old school church machine for a minute, okay? Pre-March 2020. Did you know that there was a time in church where we would take a break and stand up and greet one another in church? Do you, do you remember this, okay? So uh, some of you are thinking, oh boy, he's about to bring that back. You're badly mistaken. Uh, others of you are thinking, if he makes me stand up right now and go and awkwardly shake somebody's hand, I am out of here. Like, I'm, I, I'm leaving. So uh, introverts, during that greeting time, like, we would find gum in our pockets or check our shoes, make sure our socks were on correctly, like, whatever it might be. Like, we would, extroverts, we couldn't get you back to your seats during the greeting time. Um, so I know I'm going to regret this, okay, but here we go. You get to identify with one of those two camps when it comes to the greeting time, all right? So how many of you love the greeting time and miss the greeting time and wish it was back? Who, who identifies in that camp? Oh, put your hands down. Okay. <laughs> how many of you are so thankful that we no longer have a greeting time and there's no time to walk around and do that? So, uh, man, you know what? Just like casting a vote... That's about as 50-50 as you can get on a, on a split, split right there. So uh, in the Baptist church for a long time, we just called that the greeting time. You stand up and walk around and, and shake, shake hands, give, give hugs, that type of thing. If you have gone to what we might call a more liturgical church, if you grew up in an Episcopal or Anglican church or a Presbyterian church, a Lutheran church, different kinds of churches that were maybe a little bit more structured, oftentimes they would call that part of the service passing the peace. And so sometimes the pastor would say something from the stage, and then you would respond, or even there was a time to go up and greet, and they would call that passing the peace. Now we're going to talk about that this morning. What does it look like to pass the peace? So these three weeks of this sermon series that's built on Hebrews chapter 4, week one is about receiving God's peace, receiving God's rest. This is the idea that the ultimate rest we need in life, it's not a nap, though those are beautiful, not a vacation, though those are beautiful. The rest we need in life is we need spiritual and eternal rest. We need to know that our relationship with God is right, that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so this is the kind of rest you receive that says, even though the rest of my life is a mess, even though the rest of my life is chaotic, I know I have peace with God. I know I have peace with God in my soul that all is right, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done. Just like what Rose testified to in her baptism today, I have peace because of what Jesus has done. I receive that peace. And if you're here this morning and you don't have peace in your relationship with God, if you don't have eternal rest, if you think, I'm really unsure about what would happen in my life after I die. That eternal rest provides such comfort and peace in this life. If you don't have that, 
don't leave this room without talking to someone. That you can have peace with God. You don't earn that peace. You don't earn that rest. You receive that because of what Jesus has done. And it is a good gift. And many of you in this room say, my life is a mess, but I know I have peace. I know I have rest with God. It would just be great if I felt that sometimes. <laughs> like, it would be great if that like spiritual, eternal rest somehow made it into my life. And so week two was about experiencing God's rest. So I know I have rest for my sins and my soul. I know that my, my eternal rest is secure, but how do I have rest right now? Well, we experience that rest when we stop. Every night is a reminder from God that you are not God. Every time we go to sleep, it's a reminder of our dependence on the Lord. Every week when we stop and slow down and remember what God has done in our lives, we remember to rest. You know that dreaded friend or family member in your life who's always telling you to rest, slow down, stop, take it easy, it's going to be okay. That person who reminds us you need to rest. And then we rest in order to remember what God has done in our life. You can experience rest in your life when you don't get caught up in the chaos of this world, when you follow God's design for your life and God's design for your days. So we receive rest. We'll call that salvation. We experience rest. We'll call that spiritual growth, discipleship. And then guess what? When you experience rest, you can turn around and share that peace and share that rest with others. So that's what we talk about this morning. I've received salvation. I have rest with God. I have rest in my life. I experienced that. Now I want to turn around and I want to pass that peace to others. It's really hard to share rest with other people when you don't feel rested personally. We receive it. We experience. We share it. How do we do that? Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, okay? It may be hard to find numbers in your Bible. Strange name for a book. Sounds super boring, though it's fascinating. It's going to be the fourth book in your Bible. So if you're working on the Old Testament, you're starting at the beginning, you start there in Genesis, and then you'll work your way forward. You're going to go to the book of Numbers. If you're navigating on the app in your phone, you'll be able to find it. If the words that we read in a second sound very familiar, it's because you just sang them, okay? So uh, that's the beauty of that psalm that Jaron Jaren taught us this morning, and, and we're going to sing again at the end of the service. These words right here, these words, when you receive them, put you in a position to turn around and share God's rest with others, okay? Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 22. Here's what God's word says. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance or his face upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Let's pray for a moment before we get into the scripture and talk about these verses. Father, we come before you right now as people who live in a pretty chaotic world at a lot of times. Life moves fast. When we leave this room in a few minutes, life is going to move fast. Seems like there's so many things going on. So many times we just don't sleep well because of things that are going on in our lives and challenges we're facing. And we look to the Bible and we find rest and peace. 
And God, we want to receive and experience that rest and peace so we can turn around and share that with others. And so, Father, show us what that looks like. Show us what that means. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's do some Bible, Bible study. Let's get into these verses and, and kind of see what's going on here. Starting in verse 22 through 23, it says there, The Lord spoke to Moses. It's a great connection to the book of Hebrews and what we see at the beginning of the book of Hebrews that we've been studying. The Lord spoke to Moses these words saying, I want you, Moses, to speak to Aaron and his sons. Now, why would it matter that these words are being given to Aaron and his sons? Because they were going to be the priest. They were going to be the people that offered the sacrifices, that, that helped that relationship between the people and God. And so he's speaking this to the priest. Now, I'll just give away part of the story here. Fast forward to the New Testament. If you're looking around for the priest, I know you might have grown up in a church that had people designated pre as priests, but in the New Testament, all Christians, all believers are part of the priesthood, are priests. And so this word is being spoken to us, not to a special class of people, though here it ties in with the sacrificial system. So he's speaking to Aaron and his sons who are going to be the priests, and he says, I want you to bless the people of Israel, and I want you to say these words to them. Now, the word bless is a word that probably conjures up just kind of very churchy themes. They're like, and that's just a boring word that's hard to get my, word, my, my mind around. What does the word bless mean? Blessing in Scripture starts there in Genesis chapter 12. You see it happening in Genesis 48 and 49. Blessing is when we speak God's power and God's presence and God's plans into another person's life. We're speaking about the blessings, about the gifts that God wants to give us in life. And so in the Old Testament, when they heard that you were going to be blessed, let's be very honest about what they heard. They heard you're going to have land, and you're going to have a lot of descendants, and you are going to have peace in your life, and you're going to have protection from your enemies, and all of these type of things. Fast forward to the New Testament, we find that all those blessings come true in Christ. That when we are blessed, we receive the good things that God has for his people. Fair warning, that may mean that you're not rich. You may not be rich. You may not always be healthy. You may not always have the children you wanted to have. Some of these tangible pieces that they would have thought of as blessings don't look the same. But let me tell you, when you are blessed in Christ, you have everything you could ever need. When you are blessed in Christ, you even so much have everything that you could ever want when we understand what it means to desire the good things of God. So God desires to bless his people. How does he bless his people? He gives them his word. He gives them these words. Look at verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance or his, his face upon you and give you peace. Now, these words right here, and, and if you're looking at the notes on the website, you'll see some of this or you can look at it later. This particular section of scripture is just beautiful poetry. Or it's also good if you like spreadsheets, like if you just love Excel spreadsheets, or maybe you write poetry in Excel. Like, I don't know how that works, but uh, if you like poetry or you like spreadsheets, this passage of Scripture is for you because the way it's put together is so technical and, and so detailed. 
The first line has three words, the second line has five words, and the next line has seven words. So it goes three, five, seven. Now, if you start counting up here, you're going to get different numbers. Why? Well, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, and then it has to be translated into English because most of us here don't read Hebrew particularly well. We don't read right to left particularly well. But in Hebrew, the first line, three words, then five words, then seven words. It gets better. The first line had 12 syllables, the next line had 14 syllables, and the next line had 16 syllables. He's building. You feel this progression. The first line was made up of 15 consonants. So the way that Hebrew worked, especially ancient Hebrew, there were no vowel markings. This is the way your teenagers text you. There's no vowels, there's no punctuation, like there's just nothing. You're just trying to piece it together. So teenagers today and ancient Hebrews had the same idea. It was all consonants. And so the way it's set up here is the first line had 15 consonants, the second line had 20 consonants, and the third line had 25 consonants. You get the picture. He's not just making this up as he writes it. This is precise. This is beautiful poetry and beautiful spreadsheet. This is the way this is set together here. So, you have 15 words here. Three times the name for God, Yahweh, is given here. Possibly, possibly one of those Old Testament pointers to the Trinity, or maybe it's like a holy, holy, holy. It's a progression of the name. The name of God is over and above this entire section of Scripture. So you have three words that reference God's name. That leaves you 12 more words. In the Old Testament, the number 12 is always connected to the people of God because there were 12 tribes of Israel. So this particular piece of poetry in Scripture is putting the name of God spoken three times over the people and then gathering the people, the 12 tribes of Israel, underneath God's name to say this passage of Scripture is going to be true in your life. Both lines, not both lines, all three lines have two verbs. The first one always leads to the second one. So, I bless you. This is God's movement toward his people. And then, I keep you. This is the result of that. I make my face to shine upon you. And as a result of that, I pour out my grace upon you. I lift up my countenance toward you, my face toward you. And as a result of that, I give you something. I give you peace. So God moves toward his people, and when he moves toward his people, he's giving them something. It's beautiful. God's word is incredible in, in moments like this. When you think about that first line, I will bless you and keep you, if you like to write notes in your Bible or just want to put a little note off to the side, I might have put this on the webpage, I don't remember. Your connection in Scripture at this point is Psalm 121. Psalm 121 is built on Numbers chapter 6. We're not going to look at it in detail, but I know I referenced Psalm 121, and I won't get most of you back for the next five minutes, because you're going to go look at Psalm 121, but, but that's okay. You can look at it now, you can look at it later. It's just built directly on this passage of Scripture. To make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that line of the blessing, you think about how often in the ancient world or in the, in the Bible, God's presence is equated with light. A lot of commentators think that this image here is the image even of God smiling toward his people. I don't know how you generally think about God, but most of the time when people think about God, they think about God frowning 
or they think about God looking disappointed toward them, Scripture says that when God is at the center of his people and they are gathered around him, his light shines upon them. He's smiling toward them. He takes pleasure in them. I hope that sets you free. I hope that when you think about God, you don't think about him frowning toward you. You think about him smiling upon you, that his grace is poured out on you. And then this last piece is beautiful. This lift up his countenance. When we've seen this, or you may have memorized it in a version where it says that he turns his face toward you, that language is particular language about simply paying attention to someone. I'm guilty of this so badly, so uh, this is me pointing all the fingers back to myself. But think about when we're around people, how rarely we actually give them our full full attention. This is the image that we think about God standing like this, when in reality, he looks at us like this. His attention is given toward us. His arms are spread before us. Um, Here's an illustration about that. This last week at the Hope is Alive Uh, 10-year celebration, Tim Tebow was one of the the speakers there. So Tim Tebow's courage to come into the state of Oklahoma is commendable, you know, the fact that he would would show up here. But uh, he he came and he spoke at this uh, event, and he used an illustration that I thought was great for this verse. He talked about how in Brazil you have that famous Christ the Redeemer statue that you may have seen up on the hillside outside of Rio, and she's got this massive Christ the Redeemer, huge statue that's out there. Famously, or actually infamously, behind that statue for many, many years was what was considered the largest garbage dump in the entire world. And so people would live in that garbage dump and have to make their living in that garbage dump. And that statue faced away from the garbage dump, from the most vulnerable people, from the poorest people, from the weakest people. And Tebow made the observation, I think he's exactly right about this, that is the worst depiction imaginable of the gospel and of the character of God. Because God has not turned his back on the most vulnerable people. God does not turn his back upon you. When God thinks about you, he turns toward you. He gives you his attention. He smiles upon you. His light pours out upon his people. Why? Because he wants to give you what? Peace. He wants to give you peace. What happens when you receive God's peace? Look at verse 27. When you receive God's peace, verse 27 says, when my people receive this blessing, the priest will have put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. To receive God's blessing, to receive God's peace, is to have his name placed upon you. That when you go out and live in the world, you are representing the name of Christ. That you wear that jersey. (laughs) You think about teenagers, kids, your parents may have said to you before, hey, when you go out in the world, like you're carrying my last name. (laughs) You are are representing our family. And so when we go out, we're gonna live in a particular way. We're gonna represent the Lord in in a particular way. We carry the name of God. Think about the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments says what? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And when we think about that commandment, not to take the name of the Lord in vain, usually we think of what? Don't use God's name as a cuss word. Which, let me just say, don't use God's name as a cuss word. Like, I think, I think that's absolutely a great rule for life. We're not, we're not against that. That's not what that commandment means. 
that commandment that says don't take the Lord's name in vain means don't take God's name upon your life. Don't identify with Jesus. Don't be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and then go out and live however you want. Because when you have taken the name of God upon yourself, when you have received his peace and his rest and his salvation, that changes the way you live. I've received God's blessing in order to be a blessing. I think the way I set it up on the screen is we are blessed in order to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. God blesses us. God turns his face toward you. God gives you his attention. God blesses you. God gives you peace. And as a result of that, we can turn around and bless others. How do we do that? We do it in gathered worship. When we gather as the people of God and we sing and we receive scripture and we pray for one another, we are modeling what it looks like to be blessed and then to bless others. Because when we gather in worship, we are receiving the word of God, we are receiving God's attention and God's light and God's glory, and we are sharing that with people around us. It's the beauty of gathered worship. This happens before and after the worship service. If anybody ever tells you they don't do a greeting time at Emmaus, they're a bad Southern Baptist church, they don't do a greeting time anymore at Emmaus, tell them to come 15 minutes before the service or try to turn the lights off in the building after the service, all right? So uh, tell me we don't do greeting well at Emmaus. Like, I think that's one of the beautiful things. We could either, we could either stand up for three awkward minutes in the middle of the worship service and pretend to like each other, or we could spend all this time together before the service or after the service. We have, admittedly, I'll take responsibility for this, we have admittedly a pretty awkwardly long time between the end of Sunday school and the beginning of the worship service. That's how it's set up. It's beautiful. I love it. You guys are the church during that time. Some of the most important worship that happens on Sunday happens before this gathered worship and immediately after this gathered worship. A sign of a healthy church is people leave slowly after gathered worship because we want to bless others. We want to encourage others. We want to serve others. We want to speak peace into others. We do this in all of life. We do this in our homes. In your home, you have an opportunity for that place to be a place of peace. That when someone comes to your home, they walk in and they say, I don't know how to describe it, but this place is peaceful. Like, I can come here to rest. I think about Paula, who started today as our new preschool ministry director. She talks about in her, uh, her testimony how as a little kid, when she first came to church, one of the things that drew her to church is that when she came to church, it was peaceful. Like, she came to church and felt safe. I can rest here. I know I'm okay here. That is such a beautiful picture of the gospel, that we have been blessed, we have been given peace and rest by God, and we want to share that with others. And we want to send that to the nations. Jaron, put these verses up. Numbers chapter 6 in your Bible connects directly to Psalm chapter 67 in your Bible. We have been blessed, and so we want to turn around, and we want to be a blessing to the nations. We want to be a blessing to all the earth. Now, you might be asking, Okay, how do I do that? How do I pass the peace? I'm glad you asked. Let's put this in front of you. Point number one, I've been blessed. I've received peace. I've received rest from God. How do I turn around and share that with others? 
Point number one, we are going to speak God's peace. We want our lives to overflow with prayer, to overflow with the message of the gospel, to overflow in blessing to other people. That when we are speaking, we are speaking peace and rest and hope over people. Because our words can either build up and bless others, or our words can tear them down and curse them. And we want our words to be words that bless. Why? Because that's what God's word does for us. He speaks his word into our lives, and we want to turn around and do that for others. I don't think I've mentioned this enough to you, but Oklahoma Baptist University has this incredible program where they have started a ministry training program at the Lexington Penitentiary. Um, so the facility down there in Lexington that many of you have driven by or live close to or, or been by, OBU has started a new training program down there. And so they are training inmates in ministry opportunities and theology and biblical studies with the hope that when these inmates graduate from this program, they will be sent out as missionaries to prisons all around the state of Oklahoma to spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And so in a situation that is ultimate chaos in that yard and in that facility, there is a place of peace and rest there because of these inmates whose lives are dedicated to Jesus and growing in theology and learning ministry and are going to be sent out in the yard and ultimately to facilities across the state to spread the good news of Jesus. And there is one inmate there in particular at Lexington who this guy, when he talks to you, he just overflows with scripture. He just speaks to you and you think, I've heard that somewhere. Oh yeah, because he is literally, all the words that he says to you are just overflowing God's word to us. And the joy and the hope that he brings because of that. And I want just for a second to speak specifically to parents, grandparents, godparents, aunts and uncles that play that role for people. Your words to your kids and grandkids matter deeply. That when you speak to your kids, that they hear that they are loved, that they are valued, that we give our attention to them, that they hear the gospel spoken over their lives, that sometimes blessing our kids is speaking to them not necessarily about what's happening in their life right now, but what you want God to do in their life down the road. Grandparents, you can live, leave wonderful estates to your kids and grandkids, and they're honestly going to be very thankful for that. That's a, that's a good gift. The best gift you can give your grandkids is to speak God's word and truth over their lives. That when you speak into their life, you're speaking the hope of the gospel. That God has given you peace and rest, and we're going to turn around, and we're going to make sure in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, that that's how we're speaking to others. So number one, we are going to pass the peace by speaking words of peace, speaking words of rest to other people. Number two, we are going to show God's rest. We're going to display God's rest with our lives. Things like being a peacemaker. One of my all-time favorite phrases, being a non-anxious presence for someone. That we would be generous. That idea of a non-anxious presence just means in situations where everybody else is flipping out, losing their minds, chaos, drama. You're just a source of peace and stability and rest in that situation that people can know at the end of the day, they can depend on the Lord, that he brings salvation, and that he would use you 
to share that peace, to share that rest with people around you. And when you feel like your life is out of control, isn't it nice to have friends around you who become a source of peace (laughs) and become a source of rest? You're like, I'm barely holding it together right now, but God has given me a spouse, God has given me a friend, God's given me a church, that is a place of peace. I can go there and find that hope. And then number three, so we're going to speak peace, we're going to display that peace to others, we're going to display God's rest, and then number three, we want to learn how to bless others. I'm going to put this in front of you, we're going to spend a couple of minutes on it, and then we're going to try to kind of dig into this more down the road. There's a book that's written by this same acronym up here, this BLESS acronym. If you're curious about some of this, out here on the north wall of our lobby, we've got a bunch of resources on that north wall of the lobby. I've got a document out there about this acronym and and some other resources. But BLESS means we're going to begin with prayer. We're going to listen in a caring way to the other person. We're going to eat together because eating together, playing together, spending time together breaks down walls. We're going to serve the other person, not because we're trying to get something from them, just because we care for them, we're going to serve them. And then we're going to share the story of Jesus. I love that acronym because it simplifies how can we be the church? (laughs) Like how can we be on mission? How can we share God's peace and rest with other people? We're going to pray for them. We're going to listen to them. We're not, nobody wants your spiritual monologue the first time you meet them. Like, listen to them. Find out how God's at work in their life. Get to know them. Care for them. Spend time together. Eat together. Play together. Serve them. Find a way to meet a need. And then share the story. Share the story that God created this world to pour out his love and his life and his light and his grace into this world. So this world will be a place of rest and, and, and good work. And sin messes that up. Sin brings chaos into the world. Sin brings chaos into your home. Sin brings chaos into your mind when you feel like your mind will never rest, your mind will never slow down. Sin leads us to a place of brokenness, and we can try to deal with that brokenness on our own. Next week, if you want to know what it looks like to try to find peace on your own to escape your brokenness, come next week and listen to our Hope is Alive friends, because you can try to find peace in a bottle, you can try to find peace in in relationships, you can try to find peace in drugs. It's false peace. It never will lead to true life. But Jesus has provided peace. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you do not have peace in your life, you don't have peace with God, you don't have peace with others, this morning is the chance to say, God, I need that peace. I need that rest of my life so I can turn around and share that with others. Question number one today is, do you have peace with God? And again, if that's not true in your life, during this final song, I'll be up here at the front. I'd love to pray with you. As soon as the service is over, most people who respond to Emmaus, and this is perfectly okay, most people who respond, respond immediately when the service is over. They come up, they need prayer, they want to talk about faith. It's fantastic. We are going to do that for you. You may be here this morning, And your lack of peace is with other people. (laughs) Like, there's not rest in your home. There's not rest in your friendships. There's not rest at your workplace. And there's relationships there that you need to go and speak peace and hope and deal with those situations. And then finally, here's what we want you to do at the end of the service. I want to walk you through this to hopefully make it as clear as possible. And because I really want you to respond to God's word. Here's the game plan. Just a moment. 
I'm going to pray for us. And then after I pray for us, the worship team's going to come up, and they're, they're going to start to lead into that song that they taught us, and we're going to sing that song together. During the beginning of that song, can I encourage you to get with your family, get with your friends, if there's some people around you, and just speak a word of blessing into their life. Pray over them. Dads, pray with your family. Students, it's up to you. Maybe you guys go to your parents. Your parents come to you. They're praying over your life as, as school gets started. We want you to speak peace and rest and hope over the people around you. So find people around you to do that. Take a few moments to do that. And then whenever you're ready, just stand up and begin to sing with the worship team. They're going to lead us through that final song and lead us into the dismissal. But we want you to have a chance to bless one another, to pass peace to one another, to pray for one another. And then we're going to sing this song together and wrap up. Would you bow your heads with me? We'll pray together. Father, thank you for this beautiful uh, prayer and piece of poetry in Numbers chapter 6. God, I am, I am continually amazed by how good your word is. God, how beautiful it is, how much depth there is to scripture, how powerful it is. And God, we, we need that. We need your word spoken into our lives to provide truth and peace and hope. And God, I pray if there's anybody here today who has come in here and they don't have eternal hope, eternal rest, they're very uncertain about their relationship with you, what, it, what even it means to have peace with God. Father, I pray that they would respond, that they would ask someone for the direction, ask someone for prayer. And Father, as we sing this song together about these words from Scripture, I pray that as a church, that we would be able to encourage one another with times of prayer, that we would speak your truth into their lives, that we would be a source of peace for one another. God, if there are people in this room that they are just hurting, life is chaotic and difficult and, and struggling, that you would put people around them right now, even during the so final song, just to pray for them, to come around them, encourage them, to remind them we have peace, we can experience that peace, and we can turn around and share that with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.